there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everybody loves game shows. Everybody has a podcast. I've got both. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Brandt, and my new show, 10 Questions, is a game show talk show. Athletes, movie stars, everybody will come on, not just to talk, they come on this show to compete. 10 questions that, whether they know it or not, are somehow inspired by a moment in their life or their career. 10 questions. 10 points, so much fun. Head over to Spotify and please subscribe to 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. Hello and welcome to the 485th episode of Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. For which both hosts cannot ice skate. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schuster. Jordan, how's it going? That's the first intro you've done where I don't feel that great about that being true. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there, podcast hosts, not being able to skate. But it is true. On the Ringer Podcast Network. <laughs> I think the we're Podcast the only Network. hosts who can't skate. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we're bragging about that. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here uh, on this here podcast. First of the week, very excited about it. Uh, the NBA playoffs are starting. No, we, we don't care. Sorry, we we're not talking about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest spice within the Cleveland Indians clubhouse. We're going to talk about the A's being awesome. We're going to talk about the Negro League Centennial. Uh, which was celebrated this past weekend. Very excited to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk to Julian McWilliams, beat writer for the terrible Boston Red Sox at about the that. not terrible Boston Globe uh, about the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and then we got our, our fun segments coming up after our conversation with Julian, including the introduction of the first ever edition of MetsCon with our lovely Woo. producer, Bobby Wagner. Looking forward to that. But all right, Jake Mintz, we need to talk about, once again, for I think the third or fourth podcast in a row, what is going on on the Cleveland baseball team and two of their best starting pitchers. Previously on Cleveland baseball. This is like where you, you cut in the clips of like, you know, the, the audio of police act in the car. No, it's the media's evil, man. And then, it, you know, Clevenger, like with the quote, that's like, yeah, if we all just take care of each other, like we'll be safe. It'll be okay. And then, Pl- uh, and then Plutko, Plutko being like, they need they need to show that, you know, they're not. They're, they're assholes, sorry. Right? Exactly. Bum, bum, right. bum, so the latest. Tonight. <laughs> which came this morning, courtesy of ESPN's Jeff Passan. Uh, more details about how the uh, Cleveland front office decided to handle their two uh, delinquent pitchers. Um, uh, so we know last week that they were optioned. They were sent down to the minors as former of their punishment Further from their punishment. But we got more details that basically... And uh, no, video, were, no video games for a week. No video games for a week, yes. Fully they can't grounded. go to the mall uh, or have candy. They, The Cleveland baseball team was in Detroit. They were playing a series against the Tigers. Mr. Clevenger and Mr. Plisak were told to drive to Detroit on their own where they met their team for a team meeting so that they could finally kind of hash out 
uh, I guess, I don't know if they were defending themselves or explaining themselves or apologizing. I was going to say, it seems to me like the purpose of this team meeting, at least in concept, was for them to apologize and for the players to say, oh, it's okay, we're one big family, and welcome them back into the fold. However, this is not what happened, as according to Jeff Passan, a number of players, including the eternal <laughs> Oliver Perez, were like, nope, we do not accept your apology. Perez threatened to opt out if they were re-added to the team. They then got in their cars. They drove back to Cleveland. Actually, they drove back to Lake County where the alternate site is, and that is where they are now. And Jordan, this is so fucking weird. Yes, this is strange for a variety of reasons, but I think we knew that they weren't just going to be brought back immediately. But to hear, uh, as we suspected when we heard the quotes from Adam Plutko last week, that the team's really pissed at them and they want them to know that they're really pissed at them, but also that like, this is not just going to be fixed overnight. This is not just good. There, there's nothing at this point. There's probably nothing that they can say that can get them back in their good graces immediately. Um, it sounded like, you know, Passa did report that there were some teammates that were like, yes, okay, we can want you back. But clearly the overwhelming majority of the team said, no, not happening. You can't come back in. So it's very clear that the team is not happy with them and they probably are not going to forgive them anytime soon for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, the, like the Dixie, the Dixie chick saying, Jordan, uh, like they say, time heals everything, but I'm still waiting. You can't just ex expect apologies are going to fall into your lap and everything's going to be okay. I got I got one big question here, Jordan. Do we think Zach Plesak wore a seatbelt uh, when he drove up to Detroit? And do we think he wore it on the way home? Because I would say on the way there, more likely, because he was probably mad when he went home, and so he went seatbeltless. Right, and he was trying to show his his teen angst that he also exhibited in his Instagram Live video. I have another question, which is, did the fellow players and management know about Oliver Perez's threat to opt out if they were re-added before the meeting? Or was it like, did it did it like boil up? Like, was there like a verbal disagreement? And he was like, I'm opting out. And it like, it got super tense and very dramatic. I would pay, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say by asking a question and then answering it myself is I would pay a lot of money for a video of that meeting. Like a lot, I would pay like good which, money to watch Which that. by the way, uh, you know, what are meetings that teams have been encouraged to not have meetings inside. It's even funnier to imagine this happening in like section 103 at Comerica Park where like all the players are out there yelling at each other and the Tigers are like, hey, what's going on? It's like when you go to a game early and a lot of the stadium workers will have their meetings in the seats oh, exactly. beforehand. Exactly. It's like that, except all of the players on the team and they're all yelling at Zach, please, yes. Zach and Mike Clement. No, no, guys, 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 guys. It's like in Little League after the game when your coach tells you to jog out to left field and everybody take a knee and then they come out to meet you to talk about the game and give out the game ball. Especially, uh, and in that case, they're so mad that it takes a little few extra minutes and you're like, oh shit. What are they, they going to say? Except in this case, I guess it's Oliver Perez coming out to talk to them. I don't know. Very weird. Uh, good point, Bobby. Uh, very weird. And then the last element of this, which has been brought up, although I don't want to linger on this too long, is basically that, as Jeff brought up, if Cleveland decides to keep them down for 20 days, then they could potentially keep have them for an extra year of service time. Now, this is a situation that is never happening because normally you're not demoting your two, two of your best pitchers. That just doesn't happen, even if they're however many years into their major league career. 
here's my the, the main point I want to make about this. I don't want to have service time discourse right now. But if you're saying, oh my God, this team is trying to, you know, save the year for them. And if, you know, they want an extra year for them in three years, whatever. They're also just willingly taking two of their best pitchers out of their rotation right now <laughs> during a season, which every game matters. So like in terms of competition, they are at least making that decision uh, instead of in addition to the obvious reasons you're doing it for health and safety. But this I don't is, know. to me personally, Cleveland wants the two of them to be pitching right? Um, just so they can win baseball games. That is not r- realistic. My question is like, couldn't they just put them back on the restricted list? And then that service time would continue, the clock would continue to run and they would also then be, feels like they should be punished by being on that list instead of like being in the minor leagues. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So make sure you tune in next week on Cleveland baseball team. Yes. Uh, And I will also say quickly before we move to a more exciting topic, but in the general uh, world, I don't know, man, bro, this is exciting. This is, is, this is, is exciting. exciting. I, this story excites me. I like when I get notifications about totally, it. Totally, totally fair. I just wanted to say that in just another quick update in the world of pandemic baseball, just wanted to mention that the St. Louis Cardinals, I don't know if you remember them, they haven't played uh, in several several years. The they're St. Louis playing, Browns? They're back and they're playing baseball again, so good for them. But even though we just thought we were going to have all 30 teams playing, Reds had a player test positive over the weekend too. Just wanted to mention that. We don't know who it was. It doesn't seem like it is going to disrupt anything else this week beyond this series with the Pirates, but I felt like I should mention that because we're a baseball podcast and that was baseball news. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan. You're welcome. All right, let's let's talk about uh, the best team in baseball. Or at least one of the two or three best teams in baseball. Yeah, definitely the hottest team. Let's talk about some hot athletes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is the team that has has the the gall to the gumption the, the gumption to to as as one of thousands of sporting teams across this universe yeah these are the athletics uh, think about atletico that. madrid would say that they are the athletes of madrid so yes. there what about go. bilbao what about bilbao all right <laughs> i will not stand for this atletico bilbao erasure on baseball barbecue okay sorry Talk about the, the Oakland A's. Athletics. Yes. The A's, they have a letter. Uh, just A. They're really holy shit good. Like they are not just good. Like the, usually when the A's are good, they're like cute good. They're not like scare the shit out of you when your team's playing them good. They're that this year. It's different. Right. Even when, I mean, it's not like they haven't had amazing division winning teams with, with all-star MVP caliber players, but like as a whole unit, this is the seems like the most dominant, complete A's team that we've seen uh, in some time, and they are they're really freaking good. As we record this, they're sixteen and six. They've won thirteen out of their last fifteen games. They're arguably second or third. Their third best player has been suspended for the last few games. Of course, Ramon Laureano. We talked all about that, but he'll be back soon because his suspension was reduced. Um, and yeah, man, they are basically kicking the shit out of teams with their two superstar mats, Olsen and Chapman, an unbelievable start to a season from Robbie Grossman, and what has been probably the best or second best uh, bullpen in all of baseball. And it is it is very, very impressive to watch. Frankie Montas is the real deal. He has no neck at all to speak of. If you see his neck anywhere, let him know. 
Uh, but no neck, no problem, because he's been one of the best starters in the league so far. And did playing the super poopy Giants over the weekend help elevate them to super hot status? Yes, but you still have to come back in the ninth twice. And they did do that. And they now have the vibe about them that the Dodgers frequently get during a season where if they're down in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, and you're watching the game, you're not waiting to see if they'll come back. You are expecting them to come back, and you are surprised when they don't come back. And that is a different level of vibe that this year's A's team absolutely, undeniably has. I will say, though, there is no team that I can picture walking off in general more than the A's. I I just... They seem to have 25 walk-offs a year. Um, and then they play, you know, celebrate. I can hear the Good music times. in the Coliseum. It's like as soon as they go, the run crosses home. And like, honestly, it's still just as lit when it happens now with no fans as it does when it's crazy. Yeah. They're like, it's just the, the, the Coliseum is weird. The sound system is blaring, but it's also a little bit off. The jerseys are great. Like they, they just have such good vibes around that team, which is the opposite of what you'll hear us talk about with Julian McWilliams soon uh, about the Red Sox. Like just great energy with this team, which is usually the case when they're good, but this year it's yeah. a whole other level. It's like good. It's like baseball therapy watching them. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like uplifting because like watching the Padres now is good baseball watching therapy, but then you have to like worry about if they're going to win and then like frequently they actually don't. But the A's just do at the end, usually. And it's great. And I I just recommend watching them. I am certainly watching them more this year than I have been in the past. Yeah. Uh, and the other weird thing about them is that I mentioned Chapman and Olsen, who have been you know very good. Robbie Grossman, whatever. Whatever the hell is going on there. Chris Davis has been atrocious. And he's been kind of trending down for the last couple of years. And Marcus Semien, their breakout MVP candidate, has also had an extremely slow start to the I, season. Um, so on I'm one an hand, expert, you, I'm an yeah. expert in Chris Davis's <laughs> trending downward and being yeah. bad for multiple years at, uh, at a time. Yeah. I can speak to that if you want. Yeah. This yeah. is, we've talked a lot about the Chris Davis versus Chris Davis chart. And when one Chris Davis is up, where is the other? And we are now reaching a point where both Chris Davises are in like the bottom 10 worst hitters in baseball. Yeah. Very so weird. that's concerning. I mean, and and that's the kind of thing where their struggles, you could look at it as, uh-oh, maybe they're not that good anymore. Or wait till Semyon turns it on and then holy shit, this team's even better, right? So, yeah. you know, you, I'm not you worried about Semyon. Yeah. I'm not worried about Semyon. I am worried about K. Riss Davis as yeah. not as much as I am worried about C. Riss Davis, <laughs> but still worried. Yeah. All right, Jordan. But that's not new. Yeah. From the Oakland A's, We head to the east, to Detroit. Yeah, we're talking about the Detroit Tigers because it's going to be quick, but they're going for it-ish. The Detroit Tigers were off to a very hot start. Then they lost five games in a row. Then they called up a bunch of their top pitching prospects. The order of operations, the PEMDAS there, seems slightly out of whack, but we're still going to give them a little bit of credit. Jordan, I will ask you, though, in the words of JoJo, is this too little too late? Yeah. By the way, so, did you know that JoJo dated Freddie Adu? Like they were dating when like they were both late teens. They were like a dude, celebrity power couple. I had no about, idea. Talk about a power. Oh my goodness. Those are two stars. They very bright, very quickly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the Tigers. Is it too little too late? Well, right. So they were nine and five. Oh my God, the Tigers, they sucked. Now they have nine, nine and five. This is amazing. They lose five in a row. Now they call it Mize and, and Scooble. 
Scooble, by the way, if you're not as familiar with him because he wasn't the first overall pick, might be better than Casey Mize, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, Left-handed pitcher, kind of totally blew up last year, one of the great prospect breakouts of 2019. He's super legit. Also called up Isaac Paredes, uh, one of their best young hitting prospects. Matt Manning has not been called up, but we assume he will happen uh, soon. But is this too late? I mean, again, in the Central, where the Twins are kind of already running away with it, but the other teams are still kind of a mess, including Cleveland, as we have just discussed. I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I maybe it's hyperbole to say, why the hell did you do this last week? But when every game is so freaking important, like this yeah. actually could have cost them. Like that week actually could have cost them, you know, getting the eight seed or something. Um, but I'm just excited to watch them. It gives me a reason to watch the Tigers, which I have not had in the last few years. That is to me the key point here. Uh, the Tigers, even with their hot start, were not like a fun watch. Right. And now that they have these two guys coming up, they're appointment viewing whenever they're pitching. Like I will watch Casey Mize's debut. Like yep. I will sit down and I will watch that. And I could not say the same for really any Tigers starting pitcher before this. And another point, last thing I'll say about them, in my opinion, they're not competing with Minnesota. They're not competing with Cleveland. They're competing with Chicago, Baltimore, Toronto, Texas, you know, Houston at this point, which is kind of crazy. Like they're competing with that second, third crust of American League team that are going to be fighting for spots like 10 to to seven, right? Mm -hmm. In in the American League. And like this definitely <laughs> I dropped I dropped some stuff. This is definitely <laughs> uh gonna help them, but I I just want to contextualize that race in a different way. Like That's if fair. I'm the if I'm the Tigers. I'm not like, oh, did the Twins win? <laughs> you totally know, fair. I'm like, did the Orioles win? No, that's that's totally true. And like, even as a Mariners fan, like, obviously the A's are so far ahead. But like, remember, you just have to finish second in, second in the division. Automatically, second place gets in. So there are some divisions where four teams are under 500, but it doesn't matter as long as you're right there. Like, okay, sure. So no, totally fair. And like you said, though, they're just going to be way more watchable. They did lose CJ Crump for the rest of the season with knee surgery, which sucks because he was off mm. to a great start. He was but, killing it. Um, but yeah, so Tigers, good for them. If We're only they it. had a really promising first baseman who they Ooh. drafted two months ago. Can I also say one more point on this? They this, DFA'd, is, this sounds like bad news. They DFA'd Dawel Lugo when they called these guys up and he was like the main piece in the J.D. Martinez trade. And I just wanted to say that like, I know they were for rentals, but they have almost nothing to show for Verlander and J.D. Martinez. Ooh, yikes. All right. We, were, anyway. we had good vibes. We had good Tigers <laughs> vibes. That was a, absolutely unnecessary well, energy well, sliver to bring well, to listeners, the proceedings. Listeners, if you think I'm being a, a, a real, you know, downer here, wait till you get to our Red Sox conversation where Jake really piles on at the end. Yeah, okay. wait, I was going to say, Jake, you were supposed to wait until we got to the Red Sox conversation before you dropped a bunch of shit right next to your microphone in a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you can cut this part out if you want, but I, I, I'll tell you what I dropped. It's really sad, actually. Let me get it. One second. It's super sad. Here's what I dropped. When you play college sports and you lose, you get knocked out, they give you a little participation medallion right here, okay? This thing, Division Three NCAA part Literally, literally a participation trophy. Uh, Literally back. that exactly. 2015 baseball championship. But I this means you I participated. In the championship. In the championship. I participated. This means I basically made the postseason. And it has this little stand. Postseason. And I have, I have three of them because I participated thrice 
uh, and they all fell on the ground earlier. Anyway, let's talk. Let's kick it wow. to Cece. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. That was very funny. I hope you find a way to include that, Bobby. Okay. Enough about the Tigers. Enough about the A's. Enough about the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, Jake Mintz, this past weekend, specifically yeah. on Sunday, uh, yeah. Major League Baseball across the league uh, through a variety of you know, tributes, some more lackluster than others, uh, celebrated the Negro Leagues centennial, the 100th anniversary of the creation of the Negro Leagues. And this is something that was, I mean, cool to see because a lot of people were talking about the Negro Leagues, which is important and good. Um, and we wanted to make sure we wanted to talk about it. We want to talk about it on this podcast too. But fortunately uh, for us, there is another podcast on this network that delivered, honestly, one of the best possible conversations and podcasts you could ever have uh, on the Negro Leagues, which was CC uh, Sabathia on their new Ringer Podcast Network podcast, R2C2. And sometimes, to- yeah, I was going to say, like, they had uh, Bob Kendrick, who's the president of the Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City, and literally Curtis Granderson. And so instead of you folks listening to us talk about uh, why the Negro Leagues are important, you're going to listen to a little clip from their podcast because it is 9,000 times more interesting and better than anything we ever could have said. You know, you think of Satchel with all that pinpoint accuracy and doing what he did just to give even more context to those all-star games. Cece, you mentioned Bob Feller. I got a chance to meet him as well. And Verlander, who I'm sure a lot of the listeners right now would call one of the best pitchers in this game right now, one of his biggest moments for me that stood out is he finished the game in Oakland. His last pitch of the game, which is 100th pitch, was 100 miles an hour. Bob Feller said, I was doing that all the time when I was pitching. <laughs> so Bob was throwing 100, and they was still losing to Satchel in his All-Star. <laughs> so, so think about how good this All-Star team was when Bob was throwing 100 back then and still getting lit up. And then you got Satchel doing what he's doing, like you said, Bob, just going out there and with the accuracy and the dominance and just going out there and just destroying him at a 75% clip. Well, you know, and 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 the Negro League had these little gnats, man. They they would get a guy like they would get a guy like Feller because these guys were going to shorten up their swing and put it in play and the athleticism with all that great speed they had. They were bunting the ball on these guys and doing all this stuff that the major leaguers really had not seen. And, and so they would always find a way to get to them. But, you know, they were talking about Satchel. They're in Yankee Stadium. They're in Yankee Stadium, and Satchel's on the mound. And the military is there with an old crew speed tracking device. This is well before the radar gun. And so they clock Satchel's fastball at 105 miles per hour. Satchel retires to side. The kid is astounded. He comes up to Satchel. He says, Mr. Page, Mr. Page, we clock your fastball at 105 miles per hour. Satchel looks at him. He says, son, I wish I'd known you were timing me. I could have thrown harder than that. (laughs) (laughs) Man. I love it, man. I love it. The personality and 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 the names of the pitches too, right? Like Satchel had. Oh, he had names for his pitches. He had names for man. So you know, he didn't have fastball, changeup, curveball. Not Satchel. Satchel had what he called his midnight creeper. He had the two humper, the bat dodger, 
the hesitation pitch. They had the long time, the short time, the jump ball, the trouble ball, the radio ball, the wobbly ball, the dipsy do. And of course, my favorite pitch was the b-ball. And of course, he called it the b-ball because as Satchel would say, it bees where I want it to be when I want it to be there. <laughs> Man, that's insane. That's awesome. talking about old players that I didn't see that I wish I could have seen with my own eyes. Satchel Page, so hot. I, he might be number one. Because, like, first of all, I, I just want to know, I can visually discern between 105 and 95. My eyes can do that. I would love to just get the chance to see if it really was 105. Right, right. And even more than that, there's just, like, a level of fuck you, I'm capital S satchel page that is really there are not there are not very many people let alone baseball players that kind of uh showed off that kind of energy throughout their career and um i will never get tired of satchel page stories and i will never get tired of bob kendrick telling literally any stories you know these people say oh you should have this guy read this you know this children's book like it's not he is just an unbelievably gifted storyteller and if you enjoyed that clip, you should go listen to the entire thing because holy shit, it is very, very, very good. It is now time to send it to another guest. I don't know if you've been watching baseball this year, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, but one of the themes, the motifs of the season is that the Boston Red Sox suck eggs. To delve deeper into the sucking of eggs, we got someone coming on to give us a little bit of help. Calling Julian McWilliams, Red Circle, Socks. All right, we are now very excited to welcome in to Baseball Barbecue, Red Sox beat writer for the Boston Globe, Mr. Julian McWilliams. Julian, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thanks, fellas. I'm a fan of what you guys do. Appreciate it. Uh, so the Red Sox are bad. Um, <laughs> they weren't supposed to be good going into the year. Right. But they weren't supposed to be this bad. What were your expectations before the 2020 season? My expectations was that they would probably compete for like number two, maybe in the AL, I guess, AL East, I guess, you know, probably number two, number three, probably between them and the race, sort of like where they ended up last year. I didn't expect it to be like this much of a downfall. Like, granted, they had some injuries to like Chris Sale, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, but man, but you're just looking at this product on the field now. And it's just like, what is this? Like, it was just like, sort of like a, like an avalanche. It's just, they're just, they're just terrible. I've never, I, I, this, this is like me and my colleague were going through. It was like, this might be the worst pitching staff. Like they've ever assembled or like, it's, it's the worst pitching staff I've ever seen in my life. So, um, I don't know, man, like it's, it's, it's pretty bad there. And it's like pretty, it's like showing up in the players too. It's like, Rafael Devers walking out to his position, you know, like, like I remember like yesterday or the other day, like uh, they put in Jose Peraza to pitch and this is just how their season's going. They put him <laughs> in the pitch and like the second pitch of the second pitch that he's like, cause they're getting blown out in ninth inning. They put him in the pitch and like the second pitch that he throws, it's a comeback and hits him in the knee and he has to leave the game. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like, can this season get any worse? But like, that's a 2020 Red Sox. 
that that's what's been so tough to watch. And, and we know they expanded the playoffs coming into this season so that there would be as few teams as possible out of it playing baseball during a pandemic, you know, as possible. Right? We wanted to keep them as many teams as possible. But right now, like, is are they doomed? Like, is it is it out? They have no chance at even getting to, you know, the eighth seed in the American League? Like, with this pitching staff, you don't think there's even a chance? Like, I'll write. Uh, like, for, for right now, I'm like, keeping it positive but for for this show like they're cooked like they're, they're done. <laughs> it's, it's, it's done it's like it's like it's 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 no way possible like it's no way possible like ryan weber for instance like and i, and I keep picking on this guy like whenever i write about him i'm like let me just stop writing about how much he, how bad he is because everybody knows he's bad like it's just it's just what it is but like you like you're looking at a guy like ryan weber like they sent him down to like the alternate site like four days ago and i was like yeah he's not going to come back up then like two days later, he like reappears like the Undertaker. It's just like, hey, I'm back and pitching in New York. That's <laughs> like, wait, what is going on? So it's like that's just that's just how the season is, man. Like I've like I, I I've covered the A's and like I know like the wins within the margins type of teams, but like this is some this is some new some next level stuff, man. I've never seen nothing like this. As an Orioles fan, who you know, I remember 2018. The Orioles were supposed to be okay, right? Like they went out and signed Alex Cobb, and they were like, yeah. "We're going to run it back one more time with Machado." And then it all just fell off a cliff immediately. And like you knew in the first like six games that it was going to be a disaster, right? When at what point during the first three weeks of this season did it click for you that this Red Sox team was not going to compete like a typical? 21st century Red Sox team. When when your Orioles came into town, it took two of three. Hey, <laughs> when they came in, like and like, I think like Martin Perez gave up like like 20 bombs, and Ryan Weber gave up like 20 bombs, and like it, it was just it was that first weekend. And I think it was a, it was so funny because like Martin Perez is like he's a good guy. He's he's a, he's a pretty good guy, but like on his Twitter, he always says, "Come watch me pitch today at 12 p.m. Eastern time." And it's like <laughs> we can't. It's like it's like ah, I might pass that one up. I'm, I might be good on that if I'm a fan. So it was when they came in. It was definitely when they came into town and took two of three. I'm like, man, this season's not going to be good. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's so much, you know, discourse around the Red Sox because they're the Red Sox and of course, but they just won the World Series a couple years ago. 
Uh, it has been documented at length how much they went through in addition to all the other things that everyone's going through over the last, you know, six to eight months. Trading Mookie, Alex Cora gets, you know, suspended, then fired, whatever. Um, but let's just talk about Mookie here for a second. He's thriving in Los Angeles. Obviously, Red Sox fans are pissed. But come on, like if they hadn't traded Mookie, they'd be what, 500 maybe? Like they would still stink, right? I, I'm not crazy. Like that would not be the solution to this season, right? No, I mean, it, it eventually it really comes down to pitching. Like, granted, they're not hitting well, um, but I think I think like you said, they probably been like a 500 team if he had stayed. Like, it wouldn't have been like a season where they necessarily would have competed. I mean, their pitching staff is Nate Evaldi, who's a, probably a number five starter at you know maybe even a reliever. Martin Perez, who's been in and out of the bullpen, he's their number two starter. Like, so you're looking at one and two guys for the rotation. Then you look at uh, after that, it's just like piecing it together. So. They wouldn't have been a good team, man. But I don't know if they would have been this bad. You know, I think the Mookie trade had some, like, sort of morale effect on the team. It's like, you look at guys like, you know, Xander Bogarts, who just signed an extension last year for six years, $120 million. You know, uh, Chris Sale, though, he's out, signed an extension. You know, all those guys, they were just like, okay, so now, like, what are we doing? Now? Like, what's, what's, the, what's the, like, vision for this team going forward if you trade a generational talent like that? So, I think it did have some type of like morale and impact on the team, even though they never said it. And they say, hey, you know, we got to move on and this is part of business. He was a key part of that team, a key part of that clubhouse, man. How did the Mookie trade impact your job? Like, do you as like, do you like miss him as a person, as someone that you could like get for an interview as someone who's interesting to talk to? Yeah, I mean, Mookie was kind of like close to the vest. He was really, really like, you know, if you even like look at his like friend circle, like his his bo- all his like main boys are like his boys from like Nashville and like that's it. Like he has like his one boy Cam who's like always around. He's he's the homie. I, I like Cam a lot. Um, he's like he just he's just he's just like a, a like a kind of like a country kid. You know what I mean? So I I do miss him from a from a standpoint of like being able to cover him. Um, you know, also like you know the the connection of having you know another African American player in the clubhouse that you can sort of you know relate to and and, and connect with. Um, you know, he was always, he was, his interviews weren't that great. Um, but I think just from, you know, from a people, from a, from a person standpoint, he's a, he's a great dude. And plus, man, it's, it's a bummer not to just, just to watch him every day, man. I find myself up at night, like watching, um, you know, freaking games at like 12, 12 AM because he's, you know, I'm, I'm fast forwarding through the MLB, MLB app trying to catch his at bats, man. Cause I just love watching him play. Um, it's, it's, it was, it was, so it's definitely a bummer in that sense, man. I think, um, cause you know, you just, you say like you come to, cause I left the A's and I came here and I was like, wow, I have a chance to cover a generational player for probably the next, you know, five to 10 years, because you didn't think you didn't fathom the fact that they would trade him. Like, no, like you didn't think that would happen. And all of a sudden, like three weeks later, he's, I mean, three months later, he's gone. And it's like, Whoa, like this actually happened. So it was a bummer in that sense, man. And, and uh, you know, I wish the best for him cause he's a really great dude. So you mentioned or Jake mentions the, the notion of morale with the team, and obviously it's hard for anybody to be playing baseball right now, and it's weird to cover it, and it's weird to watch it, and all these things. But you know, for a team that's this bad, you know, there's just all these sad quotes coming out of the Red Sox clubhouse, and oh. I saw Bogarts being like, "We're just trying to have fun." You know, Pilar there was one like there was yeah. one in your story that I took a screen cap of because it made <laughs> me laugh so hard. Quote: "Things aren't going really well," Pilar said. <laughs> <laughs> Which like yeah, that's pretty much right. So he sums it up right. He doesn't need more words than that. Um, but but how? 
like, where do they really go from here? Because it's not even like they have like young guys to call up and give them some energy. Like, like, is it just going to kind of have to hope? Because it's not like they still don't have offensive talent on this team. But is the pitching just going to drain the soul out of them for the rest of the season? Bro, I think I think by that deadline, like everybody has to be on the table with the exception of like maybe Bogart's endeavors. Like you got to like look into trading JD, even like a Jackie, see what you can get for him. Um, you know, all those, all those guys, man. Like, cause like you said, like they they gutted their entire farm system to get that championship and granted, like they got it. So it works. Right. So like, you know, it's, it's good for them, but like they got rid of like Mankata, you know, Kopech, all those guys, like they're not there anymore. So now you're looking at guys like, uh, crap, I forgot his name. Um, uh, Is lefty. Bo- oh, pitcher. um, pitcher. The other, he pitched the other day. God damn it. Kyle yeah, Hart. See, see, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Hart, Hart. Kyle Hart who got like, crushed. Exactly. I was so like, like, oh, nice. Kyle Hart's in the big leagues. Exactly. So like you're looking at guys like that now, and it's just like, you know, and again, they have like Bobby Dahlbeck, who I think is probably gonna be good for them. Um, Tanner Houck, if he can figure out how to like get out left hand left hand pitch left hand hitters. It's weird. Like, I don't know if he doesn't like have the have like a, a like some sort of like um, some like a place like he, he just can't get out lefties for some reason it's like the yips of lefties i've never seen in my life it's like i don't know if he doesn't have like a like a pointing spot where he can throw it to but like he'd get out righties all day but then a lefty gets in the box it's like walk 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 anyways but i from where they go from here man i think they just got to rebuild it i mean they have to like rebuild this entire system if that requires them tanking or i don't even know if tanking works in baseball if that requires them adding depth pieces um you know, I think that's what's going to happen, but my, that's what, that's going to have to happen. But it's it's really just an uphill battle from here, man. Do you think veterans will opt out if they continue to play poorly? Because at this point, right, the only thing keeping them there, I guess, apart from pride, is money, which is significant. Do you have any inkling? Not like, is there anything percolating, percolating there? But like, do you think guys will bounce? I mean, at this point, like, I think the money piece means a lot to them. Um, yeah. I think like Mitch Moreland, even like, I think he's in his 10th year. So it's like, you know, that service time, that 10 year service time means a lot. Um, I, although he might already have it, but I don't think this is necessarily the t- type of team to opt out. I think it's just a team that's going to get really sad and like, <laughs> and like already sad. There. Already there. And, and, sa- and like, and like the person who gets to like the saddest is like Bogarts. Like oh. it's it, like sad Bogarts. Like they always, it's, it's like a, it's like a thing. It's like, oh, you don't want to see sad Bogarts because he's just like so sad and he like wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, and I, me- <laughs> I, and I was going to Alex- say, sad Bogarts, sad Devers, who already looks like an overgrown child uh, is also heartbreaking. And I love Robbie uh, Devers, one of my favorite humans on the face of the earth. Just oh, tough to watch. But sorry, you right? were saying, is there another sad no, Bogarts? I remember <laughs> like after when, um, after like Alex Cora got, um, got whacked, like, like they were interviewing Bogarts at like the fan fest. And like, I was, I was in the background and Bogarts was like, it was like, what are you going to miss about Corey? He's like, I'm just going to miss seeing his face. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm in the background. Like you can see me like, like with the recorder and I'm just like trying not to laugh. Cause it's like, dude, this dude is such has like, he's like wearing his heart on his sleeve right now. And I, my fiance is like, and I showed my fiance the clip. She's like, did she, did he, did he say he's going to miss his face? Like, so sad Bogarts oh, is just, man. it's a sad sight. And then like Rafael Devers, man, like he's, he's all over the place. Like that's probably a person that probably needs Cora more than ever right now. Yeah. Huh. That's so true. Um, and then I guess the, the, my last question, since like this show 
generally uh, at least intends to bring joy around the world of baseball. Is there any bright spot? Is there has there been anything going right for this team that Red Sox fans can look forward to on either side of the ball? Is there something that, or even a moment or a game or a player or something that you're like, okay, that you're going into 2021 thinking, all right. You know, although the trade, like you, you trade Mookie, which I didn't agree with at all. And it's like, there's, I think even like, I think Ben Lindbergh wrote a, a, a analytical piece saying like, there's never been something done like this and it really didn't make any sense. Um, so you have that side of it. You have like the, you know, the, ethos side of it as well as like the the data the backup why they probably shouldn't have traded him um like Alex Verdugo is a bright spot for this team man like he's a fun guy um if there's like one person that probably enjoys playing baseball it's probably I would probably say the top two are probably Bogarts and him like it's just like he brings energy um he's hitting well like he's he has a cannon in the outfield like his just his total aura is just like if he plays well there, I think Boston would really, really love him. And he's a guy that's interesting. Like Mookie's uncle, Terry Shumpert, who's, um, who's, uh, who played in the big leagues for like 13 years. He coached Verdugo in high school, um, um, for like his travel ball team. And he was like, yo, like he's a guy, like he's like, he's a, he's a dude. So he's proven it so far. And now, and, and Jonathan R. Ruiz too, the rule five guy that they got from Houston. He's an interesting depth, depth piece for them. I think he's a guy that can possibly be maybe a fourth infielder or something like that. Um, but he's, he's, he's a wizard with the glove. Um, he's, he's hitting well. I think he's probably – they said he's a little bit light with the bat sometimes, but um, he seems to be hitting well now. So um, I think that's really, really a bright spot for them going forward, those two guys. Um, I'm going to somehow make this even more depressing, and I'm going to ask you to finish this off. Today is Dustin Pedroia's birthday. Jordan and I talked earlier this morning about the idea of Dustin Pedroia having his David Wright saying goodbye moment next year. Do you have any idea what is next in the Dustin Pedroia injury saga? Yeah, it's it's sad, man. Like the surgery that he got is like basically surgery just to like to walk. It's like not surgery to like play. You know what I mean? Like and last year he was like, he was in Houston, not Houston, um, Colorado. When we were in Colorado, he was like, yeah, like, I just want to be able to throw BP to my kids. Like, oh. and so now you're talking oh. about, <laughs> now you're talking about a, a guy that's like, you know, trying to get back on the field. I don't see it happening. You know, I think his career is over. It's unfortunate because like he was probably on a hall of fame track. Um, but, um, I just can't see it happening. So I think if, if there's any guy that probably deserves a send off like a day were right in like recent history, it's probably Dustin Pedroia because he meant so much to those teams and it's, it's sad. And I guess we're going to end on a sad note. Like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to flip it quickly. I, 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 Jordan, I want to start asking our guests this before they leave, which is like around the world of baseball right now, anything that's giving you joy, anything that's making you happy, anything you're enjoying, anything you we, want to talk about. We, we've established it's not Ryan Weber. So who, who, who no, is yeah. giving you, the, the good feelings. Dang, man. I, I, you know, Sarah, um, excuse, I want to pronounce her name. Sarah Langs. Is that, is that her name? Yeah. She, she, she put out a stat that, that Mookie Betts has only swung and missed once and in the zone this season, this entire season. Like yeah. that type of stuff gives me joy. <laughs> seeing, Hell yeah. Seeing him, seeing him thrive in, in LA and do it and do his thing. That gives me joy. People like, uh, uh, Fernando Tatis playing. That gives me joy seeing them. So even seeing the A's play and like, seeing them turn into like this, this power of a juggernaut in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, AL West that like, 
that gives me that that gives me joy. You know, it's like, dang, those are my kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I, I knew you. I knew you before. I knew you way back when. So, right. um, but yeah, like I would say, those th- those three things probably two people in that one team give me joy watching. Well, uh, Julian, I, I know it doesn't sound like uh, anyone would really want to be following the Red Sox mess this season, but where can people follow your work? Because it is great work and people do need to be doing it. And p- people like Julian have a much tougher job than the people covering the teams that are flying high this year. So where can people follow you and, uh, and read your stuff? Uh, yeah, my uh, Twitter bio just by Julian Mack. Um, you know, you can follow me there and read myself on the Boston Globe and you know, like I said, I appreciate you guys having me on. I admire what you guys do. You bring a lot of joy to a game that's uh, sort of, you know, can be ruled by like old cranky people. So I'm, we I'm are, happy we you are guys neither old. Joy. We're neither old nor cranky. Everyone go read Julian's stuff. He has a lot more team only meetings he needs to write about. So, <laughs> Julian, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Hiring is challenging. But there is one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, where businesses can connect with qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner. She experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can too. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com BBQ. That's us. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. By using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones and then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly, hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. Two weeks, that's a fortnight. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within that first day. That's an 800 batting average for employers. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, you can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BBQ. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BBQ. ZipRecruiter.com slash BBQ. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire If you listened to that last segment, friends, and you were like, that was a bummer. I need to think more about how much the Red Sox suck. Well, I have good news for you because it is this week's edition of Sorry for Your Mentions, Jordan, where we read through Twitter replies to teams that are sucking right now. Yes, of course. Uh, the premise of this is that whoever's running your favorite team social account, uh, it's not their fault that your team sucks. Not their fault. Um, but it is funny to see how people reply to teams tweeting that their team lost once again. And for a team that currently has the worst ERA in baseball, uh, they are 27th in wins above replacement. Uh, they are behind the Cardinals who have played eight games. So that's good. Mm. Um, that's for the hitters. So the Red Sox think it is a mess as we just established with Julian. Let's get to their functions. Let's get to the fun part of the bad part. All right. (laughs) August 15th. First game of the series against the Yankees, the Red Sox tweet, the final, Yankees 11, hashtag Red Sox 5. Someone replies, quote, I've given up on rooting for the Red Sox to actually win games. I just root for them to keep their opponents from scoring double-digit runs now. (laughs) That is so sad because, like, as a Mariners fan, I can, like, almost relate, but I don't, 
the score doesn't matter. Like once they're losing, like yeah, it sucks to give up right. double, double digit. But like if they give up nine, I'm just gonna as just as mad as them giving up ten. So yes, stupid but funny. Same same tweet from the Red Sox. Someone responds. I remember this is someone with a Yankees logo in their Abby. Uh, I remember when it was fun to gloat on the Sox post after a Yankee win. Sad face. Someone else responds. I know, right? So depressing now. The Red Sox are too depressing for Yankees fans to dunk on them. Oof. That is a new... And the Red Sox, they've had some shitty years, you know. They've, they've, they've right. had moments, even recently. But this is yeah. a new low. Uh, this tweet was uh, a little earlier. Red Sox tweeted, opening up a four-game set in the Bronx. Someone responds, we're going to get smoked, but you bet your ass I'm going to watch all of it. Hashtag go Sox. <laughs> Love that Boston attitude. Just gritting their teeth, grinding their way through the sweep in the bra as they know. Um, devastating stuff. All right. This is one of the ones that we talk about. This is in, in the best category of, of, sorry for your mentions, is when the team is tweeting about some sort of charity endeavor and <laughs> their response I'm just going to go. Red Sox tweet, Gulf Oil, okay, and the Red Sox are teaming up to help defeat cancer. Every time the Sox swipe a base, Gulf fuels the win with a donation to the American Cancer Society. Okay. Like a good. little corporate. But uh, yeah, but whatever. Okay. That's good. Right. Teams raising money to full support. Great. Someone responds, hopefully it works because they can't defeat anything else at the moment. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Again, uh. like people, it just feels like, I mean, I guess if you're like a Red Sox fan, I think we have a warped view of how Twitter works because we follow way too many people and yes. from all fall sports and all teams and whatever. But like, I guess a lot of Red Sox fans just follow a bunch of Red Sox people. And so their timeline is just the Red Sox tweeting stuff. And so whenever they see it, they're like, I'm so mad. I got to respond. I'm so mad, respond. Right. <laughs> uh, This is from yesterday. The Red Sox tweeted the lineup before their game against okay. the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball. Pretty innocent. We at Red Sox, we got Sunday night baseball coming your way. Chris Maza on the mound. Okay. Someone responds, I get why you have to announce this, but this team is awful. I mean, really horrifically awful. And it's revolting. They fired Cora for stealing signs, right? Well, fire Renicky for stealing the enjoyment of the season. This team is terrible, and someone has to fall on the sword. Yes. Love Here's it. the thing, though, like, <laughs> this is also the almost paradox of this season for the Red Sox, is that, like, obviously not Ron Renneke's fault. No! And, like, it's also <laughs> not the bad pitcher's fault. Like, it's their fault because they're giving up the runs. But, like, Ryan Weber, he he just shouldn't be starting every fifth right. day for that's a major league. Like, that's not his fault. Like, these players are being put in the position to fail, right? Ugh. It's, you know, it's not just, they're just not good enough. And that's not their fault for being put in a position to fail. I love the morality of this tweet. That's like, you fired Cora for stealing signs. Okay, well, stealing signs is bad. Like, stealing. Stealing is bad. Fire really Renneke for stealing the enjoyment of the season. Incredible. Okay, and the last one here. Is he the Grinch? I mean, the my Grinch. goodness. Final four, Red, uh, final Yankees four, Red Sox two. This is the Sunday night game. Someone responds. Way to go, John Henry. Hope you think about what an awful team this is while, while you are swimming in your money bin tonight. <laughs> Swimming in your money bin. A money bin. Fair. That's not a fair cool. critique. Maybe. 
Okay, ben, I like it though. To me, bin is like what goes under your bed for storage. Right. right. I don't know why you would have money in that, or even if you had water in it, would you be swimming in it? It's Very not swimmable. Um, but the point stands, though. The point stands. General, generally, that's just like a great classic mention. Shot at ownership. You know, hope Reference you're enjoying money. your money while we suck. Like that's that's just top of the line. You get that's it all good. the time. Yeah. Uh, they still just won the World Series. All right. At Red Sox, <laughs> yes. sorry for your mentions. Yes, sorry for your mentions. All right, let us move on. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. I'm uh, so excited We for are this. now going to introduce uh, a segment that was gifted to us by the nature of the favorite team of our producer, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, welcome back into the show. Bobby, how are you? Let's do it. Hi, guys. All right, Bobby, I'm doing this great. segment, you're doing great. That's good. It, for now, you won't be doing good in about three and a half minutes. We are now introducing a segment known as MetsCon. MetsCon. Mets. Now, I would I want to say it's not Mets convention. No. No. This no, is no. a reference to Defcon, not like Comic-Con. Right. Which uh Bobby, would you like to explain before declaring what level of MetsCon we are at, why we are calling it this and a little bit of background about what Defcon is so people can understand. Yes, Defcon is the defense readiness condition. It's used by the United States military. It's a subsystem of series of alert conditions or alert cons, which also include emergency conditions or emerg cons or emerge cons. Not sure if that's a hard or a soft G, but I see why DEFCON is the one that is sort of cut through into the culture. Yeah. Yeah. DEFCON sounds a lot cooler. So METSCON, DEFCON, it's an alert system from five to one. Five is the best situation. You feel good in five. One is like we've ratcheted up the heat. Shit like is the really bad. 2015 METS are DEFCON five. Yes, D- 2015 Mets prior to the World Series are DefCon Five. But but if once we're also they got Jonas Cespedes, right? But we're also talking about the context of like things to be worried about. So in the case of MetsCon, MetsCon Five could be like, oh, like you know, Seth Lugo uh, is going to be out for ten days because he has a sore shoulder. Like that's not good. Yeah. But it's just a bad thing. Okay, whatever. We deal with it. Yeah. So. The Mets I right also, now. I yeah. would also like to add a slightly more context about the history of DEFCON, which is that we have never in the history of the United States military had DEFCON 1. Yes. That is, we have never gone to DEFCON 1. The, the closest we ever got was DEFCON 2, which was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Which, uh, what? That wasn't DEFCON 1? What's the point of even having DEFCON 1? <laughs> At that point, there's no civilization left. I have to say that because... When I give you my DEFCON level for the Mets right now, you have to put it in context with the fact that getting to DEFCON 1 is like the Mets no longer exist as a franchise. Right. right. I don't know There's if there no, has ever been a possible. DEFCON 1. DEFCON 5, lowest the state chart. of readiness. DEFCON 4, <laughs> increased go. intelligence watch. DEFCON 3, increased enforced readiness above that re- required for normal readiness. DEFCON 2, next step to nuclear war. Feels like a large gap between those two. DEFCON 1, <laughs> Nuclear war is imminent, or more importantly, has already started. I was okay. gonna say that feels like what Ooh. it takes. Okay, so for you, That's in terms Def-Con. of the Mets, in terms of the Mets, DefCon One is the Mets don't exist because what? Like they went bankrupt, or like all oh, they're like what? What is it? Whatever. Point is Bernie Madoff struck again. DefCon One is like Rob Manfred does press conference on ESPN, and it's like. I'm so fed up with getting bad <laughs> PR from the Mets that I'm banishing them to England. The, the and they American are now no longer the New York Mets. They're I like see. the London Mets. I That's see. DEFCON 1. Okay. Okay. But well, we're not there, obviously. But 
your team did just get swept by the Phillies, a team that was reeling and not doing so great. The, it's not like the Phillies looked that good this weekend either, but they still swept them. So Bobby Wagner, for the first time in this crazy season, where are we at? Where is Metscon at? It's DEFCON 4. It's so you're, bordering you're, on DEFCON 3, and here's why. For the last five years, the Mets have been basically a triple-A lineup, and their starting rotation has been World Series caliber. Since they went to the World Series on the back of their starting rotation, with for most of 2015, what was a a A lineup? I'm just going to be honest with it. We we got like 600 plate appearances from Ruben Tejada. That's a double A lineup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jake. Damn, you you would know about double A lineups as a Baltimore Orioles fan for the last three years. <laughs> Very true. Okay, so that's true. Yes, but where are we now? And now the Mets lineup is playoff caliber. We have a pitching rotation, which if you go on MLB.com's depth chart right now. Only has four people in the starting rotation, one of whom was scratched from his last start, and that's two-time defending Cy Young winner, Jacob deGrom. The other three are Rick Porcello, David Peterson, who's a rookie, looks pretty solid. He's, he's, he's good. He's good. He's a good dude. Good dude. And the fourth one is Steven Matz. I want to read you a tweet. December 12th, 2019. This is from Newsday Mets beat reporter Tim Healy. Brody okay. Van Wagenen said the Mets now have the deepest rotation in baseball. That was after they signed Rick Porcello and Michael Waka. Waka's out. Porcello's terrible. And they only have four starters now. They're stretching out Robert Gasselman. And their spot starting Walker Lockett. Nicely done. Walker Lockett. That's true. Walker Lockett. Walker Lockett. Right now, Stephen Matz. I Walker like I lock it. (laughs) Right now, Stephen Matz is the number two starter. I guess you could say David Peterson has now taken that, that nominal spot from him. But Stephen Matz was the number two starter going into the season. And he has allowed nine home runs already in only five starts. And if he pitched as many innings as he pitched last season, he would allow 63 home runs, shattering the MLB record of 50 by Bert Blylevin in It doesn't sound like he's going to get the chance to do that. I don't uh, think so either. So it sounds like... Um, sounds like the Mets suck ass, Bobby, and you <laughs> feel bad about it. Now, I... Do you have any hope? Is there any hope for peace here in the nuclear... Mets world. <laughs> I don't think that it's possible to go back to DEFCON 5 during this season with everything that's already happened. We've already had Stroman opt out. We've already had Cespedes opt out. Stroman- Was Cespedes Day DEFCON 2? Was that MetsCon 2? No, no, no. That's MetsCon That's, that's MetsCon, Metscon 3. three. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's like okay, cuz it's important that Jordan identified that it's a level of readiness, not only just what has happened, but what you're ready Four as a Mets fan. And when Cespedes has opted out, I was ready for the Mets to completely make clowns of themselves, even further than they did from the statement. It, I was ready for them to double down on it, kind of in, in a Nixie way. Mm. I was ready for them to double down on it and be like, you know what? Screw Yoannis Cespedes. We're striking his name from the record books. That's the kind of thing that you have to be at DEFCON 3 ready to go up to DEFCON 2 for. Or Metscon. Been, I, should, I, I keep saying DEFCON, but Metscon 2. Like, that if would, the Mets had come back out and had been like, had said like, Johannes Cespedes is a terrible human being who abandoned the team. Like if they like came out and said that, that's that's gone too. Yes. We're cutting okay. him. We don't recognize any of the accomplishments that he's brought to this franchise. Great. That would have been so funny if they struck his name for the record books and people would go back and be like, how the fuck did they make the World Series? What well, happened? A lot was of Eric, Michael Kadire at bats. Who is, who is hitting the home runs? Just, was Eric Campbell walking a lot? <laughs> Alejandro um, Daza is laying down a lot of drag bunts. <laughs> uh Bobby, uh, all this said, 
the Mets are still only four back of second place uh, in the National League East. Um, so, I mean, I totally get it. I agree. You're going to be at least the Mets con four for the rest of the season. But uh, but hopefully you stay there. Hopefully you stay there for your for your. Uh, yeah, your I hope so. Sanity. I think it's more likely that we go to MetsCon 3 because Jacob deGrom just shuts it down for the rest of the year. Ooh. Then you're really going to be digging stiff deep. Stiff neck? Some... I got a lot of questions. You know, I got a stiff neck too. It's it's connected to back problems. I, I get worried. I he's get also worried. Gotta, he's oh, also gotta... Bobby, you're worried about Jakey stiff neck? <laughs> well, that makes you and my mom very similar. Okay, <laughs> moving forward. Jordan, what's yeah. next? Enough yeah. talk about the Metropolitanos. No more, no more Mets. DeGrom also has a stiff $170 million extension that he's already signed. Stiff, so, baby! Uh, all right. Um, that is it for, for MetsCon this week. We will obviously be bringing uh, Bobby back on for that uh, in the future. All right. Two more quick segments for you before we get out of here. Last week, I introduced the segment, Why Haven't You Homered Yet?, where I listed off a bunch of players who had a bunch of plate appearances that had not hit the ball over the fence in a time in baseball when everybody's hitting the ball over the fence. The reason I have not homered yet, Jordan, is because I am very weak and I have a bad swing. Okay. you Great. I wasn't worried about you not homering. Much more concerned about Yandy Diaz and Reese Hoskins. But this week, we're going to switch it up just a little bit, and I'm going to ask the question, why haven't you doubled yet? Jake Ooh. Mintz, <laughs> these are some hitters who have been okay. But hitting a double does not take that much. You could just pl- plop one down the line or hit it in the gap with the big outfield and shitty outfielders. But there are you some can, hitters. You can fuck up and hit a double. You exactly. cannot fuck up and hit a homer. Bingo. So today I have five names for you. And I will ask you, Jake Mintz, as the proxy for these players, why uh-huh. haven't you doubled yet? Now, as okay? a representative. As a representative. Let us begin with a gentleman on... The best team in baseball, Jock Peterson. Why haven't you doubled yet? Obvious answer, because he's homering all the time. Jock Peterson hits the ball so high that doubles don't really work. Like, the ball is either caught at the wall or it goes over the fence, and he's not a doubler. Jock Peterson currently hitting 153 with nine hits, three of which have been home runs. Yeah. Uh, Next on this list. Mitch Garver, why haven't you doubled yet, at the very least? It's not the Doble squad, Jordan. It's the Bamba squad. <laughs> the Bamba squad. Okay, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, okay, we're going to go to a guy who I think of as hitting a lot of doubles. Like, I would, I, I'm pretty sure he had a bunch of doubles last year. Eduardo Escobar, why oh. haven't you doubled you? That seems like exactly your kind of hit. Hmm. I, I'm going to be honest with you. There might not be a player... In baseball, I have less to say about <laughs> than Eduardo Escobar. He seems like a nice guy. I've watched some interviews with him. I don't really have any thoughts, so I'm going to say, why haven't you doubled yet? Um, he's j- just getting locked in right locked now. Locked in. Locked in. He does have a triple, which not a lot of these guys do not have. Uh, that's the thing about a triple. He could have just <laughs> stopped. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a good point. It would have been way easier. Uh, all right. Uh, we got two more for you. Uh, this one is more of an overall, maybe offensive concern. Jerickson Profar, we thought maybe oh. he would just be hitting 50 doubles a year for those superstar Texas Rangers, but he has not doubled yet. Why hasn't he doubled yet? He's not very good at hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Same right. kind of answer that I gave for myself. Bad swing, <laughs> kind of weak. 
Yes. All right. Uh, now for the last one, the gentleman with the most played appearances in baseball without a double, but a, a star of one of the best teams in baseball, Matt Olson. Why haven't you doubled yet? Like Jack Peterson, he's busy hitting it over the damn fence. He has no need for the walls, Jordan. Uh, and he doesn't run very hard and he's not spraying it down the line. It's going up in the air. This dude is currently hitting 185. He has 15 hits, eight of which have been home runs, including I believe his seven last hits were all home runs. So no interest in doubles for Matt Olson. In fact, he's reaching the level where I am now watching to make sure Matt Olson does not hit any doubles because this could be something uh, very, very, very special. All right. Thank you for answering those questions. Jake Mintz, no more doubles talk. Our moment of joy this week before we get out of here. Is, is it, this is a double-edged sword, Jordan. This is like the Darth true. Maul lightsaber because for every moment of joy in the world and in baseball, uh, there is a moment of sadness on the other end. So it is pure joy very rarely happens in and of itself. And today's moment of joy uh, are the back-to-back-to-back-to-back, that's four backs, home runs by the Chicago White Sox on Sunday afternoon, all hit off of the same gentleman. The same gentleman, Roel Ramirez, making his major league debut, one of the many rookies called up by the Cardinals because they obviously need them. And uh, he comes in in, I believe, the sixth inning, fifth inning. And uh, first at bat of his career, he strikes out Luis Robert. Oh, oh no, that's great. Look at this, hey, Roel Ramirez. He's not a top prospect. Here he comes, striking out, you know, this hot shot rookie. Okay, Mazzara single, Danny Mendick single. Danny Mendick caught stealing. We're two oh, outs. we got two. Hey, we got two. Hey, we, hey, we got, got two. two. Down. Ooh, Danny okay, Mendick sounds like someone I went to Jewish summer camp with. Uh, okay, he walks Tim Anderson, which is pretty hard to do. Gotta Tim walk. Gotta, gotta pitch around that guy. Tim Anderson does not like walking, though, so that's tough. And then, Moncada, Dinger, Grandal, Dinger, Abreu, Dinger, Aloy oh. Jimenez, Dinger, and that's going to do it for Raul Ramirez. Uh, I want you all to take a listen to our good friend and future baseball barbecue guest, Jason Benetti, on the call for these spectacular moments. You always remember your first major league appearance. He's going to remember this one into his next life. In the air, left field. Eloy Jimenez to the line and gone again. Four in a row. Not to be left behind by um, all the boppers. Back-to-back homers are one of the best Jimenez things in baseball. Obviously, back-to-back-to-back is crazy. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back is when the announcer starts losing their mind, and that is what you just heard, and I love that so much. So many home runs. Too many. That is is the joy that I got. Put the ball in play. Put the ball in play, kids. Hit it over the fence. No no doubles, so I'll ask you why you haven't doubled yet. I prefer back-to-back-to-back fundamental swings and competitive at-bats out of my guys. All right, Jordan, that's it for this week. Uh, Quick plug. Go read... I just want to, sorry, I just have to keep correcting both of us. We We keep saying this week, you keep saying this week, we'll be back later this week with another podcast. So that's it for this episode. Uh, Two quick plugs before we get out of here. Go. Go listen to the CC Sabathia R2C2 pod with Bob Kendrick and Curtis Granderson. And as a companion to that, go read the Kevin Blackestone piece uh, in the Washington Post about how Major League Baseball has not owned up to why the Negro Leagues even had to exist in the first place. Huh? Go read that, listen to that podcast, and then have a great couple days. 
Have a great couple of days. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for contributing to our first ever MetsCon. Uh, thank you to Julian McWilliams, uh, as always. Uh, we we will be relying on him for our depressing Red Sox takes and sad Xander Bogarts uh, reporting moving forward. Uh, thank you to you, Jake. Of course. Thank you to you, Jordan. And thank you to Oliver Perez for being, you know, I've, I have a great relationship with my dad, but I, Oliver Perez, will you be my dad? Will you be my... Uh, other dad uh so oliver level, perez come on the podcast be my dad similar level of gray hair oliver perez uh and your father all right we're done be my, be have my a dad. great few days we will talk to you on thursday goodbye oliver perez be my dad